Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Away we go. Welcome into the show and the Monday edition of Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin. As always, our producer, Colin Surrey. And by the way, I'm filling in for Jamie Rivers today on Ribs and BK. So if you like listening to me, I'll be with you for the next four hours. If you don't, well, tough luck. So you got me for a while today on 101 ESPN. And also later tonight, I've got at 6, I've got the Redbird Report. My guest this morning is former Cardinal, current ESPN baseball analyst, Eduardo Perez. And a lot to get into with him. His time with the Cardinals, growing up around the Big Red Machine, being the son of a Hall of Fame player, Tony Perez. The current state of baseball, and what's it like broadcasting KBO games from his home? All that will be covered coming up with Eduardo Perez. He'll be my guest. All right. We had the 30 for 30 documentary last night on McGuire and Sosa. What did you think? Air Comfort Service text line 65780. What did you think? Long gone summer. Relived the 1998 summer of 70. And that's about all it did. There wasn't anything in the documentary that was earth shattering or newsworthy. Didn't touch on the steroids issue all that much, but again, it did show that McGuire felt a ton of pressure going into that season. Yeah, all the pressure was on me. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there was pressure, but it was like, yeah, the pressure was on me. I knew how tough it is to get to 50, but nobody ever talks about it. Everybody wants to talk about 61, 62. I remember being swarmed. I'd probably say maybe 60 reporters, like, in a circle around me. And I remember making a comment and just in jest, like, God, I feel like a caged animal. And I got hammered for that. I can only go on my personal dealings with McGuire. He was sensational to me. Good example would be this. When he first was acquired in 1997, I went through Brian Bartow, the PR department of the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals, I believe, were in Philly. I said, hey, I'd like to get Mark McGuire on a show. Boom, called me that night. Then, as I was doing the games, he was sensational to me every single time. Asked him for an interview, great. Asked him for background, great. I can only go on how he dealt with me. He was sensational as a player and a coach. Now, there were some that felt he could be aloof or curt in his dealings with the media. I didn't feel that way. He was always respectful towards me, beyond helpful. Now, if I was waking up in Chicago this morning and a fan of the Cubs... I've got to wonder why Sammy Sosa hasn't been back to Wrigley. And I thought the majority of the documentary was on McGuire. Look, it's been two decades. Let it go. Bring him back to Wrigley. Would Sammy want to go back? Definitely. Um, you know, normally I think, you know, that time is going to come. I'm looking forward. Uh, I am, like I saw you, I am very good with my family. I'm a family man. Uh, I feel great that uh, the opportunity that I got given to me, I take advantage of it, you know, every opportunity. But, you know, Chicago is going to be all right. I mean, trust me, you know, uh, the organization, they, they, they you know, uh, are expecting, you know, in the future, and near future, you know, that they, you know, give back, uh, you know, I'm, I'm bringing my to, I'm bringing me back to Chicago, and, 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 and then, you know, we take it from there, especially all the fans that I would love for me to come back. He should be back. Bring him back. It's been over two decades. Another question that, again, was brought to light last night was the question of whether or not Sosa McGuire belong in the Hall of Fame. Steve Traxel gave up number 62 to Big Mac. I'm a no on those guys. Just, uh, just from the simple fact of cheating. Um, 
I'm sure there's there's guys in there now, and you, you know, you talk about guys in the back in the history of there was always guys that cheated and you know were questionable characters and all of that, that 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 are already in there. But uh, um, yeah, just to, for me, it just it became an unlevel playing field, and uh, I kind of had to reconcile with myself over the years that you know. I must have been doing something pretty good for you know a lot of these guys to have to take steroids to step in the box and face me and and uh, you know I just don't think that the, you know, those guys should belong in the Hall of Fame. That's fine. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But how about this? To me, they're in the Hall of Fame. This is how I would do it. Clearly states what they did on their plaque. The first guy that goes in, Pete Rose. Pete Rose, all-time hit leader. Bet on baseball in the Hall of Fame. Mark McGuire admitted to taking steroids. 586 home runs. Boom. In. Rafael Palmero, 3,000 hits over 500 home runs. Tested positive for steroids. However, these are the accomplishments on the field by these individuals. It's a part of the story of the game. In the future decades, there's kids now turning into adults. And they have zero clue about that part of the history of the game needs to be explained. McGuire addressed that issue in the documentary. First of all, I mean, let's, yeah, I mean, stupid to do. Um, pay the consequences, still do. Um, but when there's, there was no regulations back in those days. Nobody ever talked about anything. Like, this was against, there was no rules. There was no regulations. So it was only brought up to my attention that it would help through some injuries. So that's that's what the, really the basis the, by no means did I need to do it for strength purposes um, I don't regret you know doing it I mean the bottom line is if there was a drug testing back then it would never happen it would that would have never happened I don't encourage I don't want anybody ever to, to follow any footsteps like that but um, it just it just it, it was a and it sort of sucks I take him at his word he wouldn't have done it. Who am I to judge if he would have or wouldn't have done it? But let's be realistic here. If you take it, there's going to be strength added. There's going to be bat speed. These players were doing things out of the ordinary. That's a fact. The aspect of the documentary I did like, listening to Jack Buck and Mike Shannon together and the crowd. In a day in which I watched golf with no crowd, it was nice to see the excitement again of a crowd. Long gone summer. <laughs> Maybe that should be the title of the 2020 season. Not the documentary. It should be the title of right now. The 2020 season. Long gone summer. Players rejected the owner's proposal over the weekend, so here we are. Does Rob Manfred just slam down a 50-game season? Jeff Passan of ESPN. It's so difficult to say any of this right now, Hannah, because the two sides have been talking past one another going on two months right now you look at the proposals that each side has given and it's almost like they've been completely ignoring the other side these have not been negotiations these haven't even been discussions and yet the ball is in major league baseball's court at this point per its march agreement with the union it has the ability to impose a season of its desired length rob manfred and others have talked about a season in the range of 48 50 games somewhere in that neighborhood but at this point 
the uh, the league could come back to the union and say, okay, you have a choice. We're going to put on either a 48 or 50 game season with a regular amount of playoffs, or we're going to put on a maybe 60 or 62 game season with expanded playoffs. You players choose. And this seems to be the end game at this point where we finally figure out just how much baseball is going to be played. I was saying it with Randy and Michelle. Here's the deal. I don't think they'll do it, but why not do it? 48, 52 games, fine. Do it that way. Add the 20. Now you're about 72 games. Full salary. Pro rata for the players. Deferred 20 of them for two years. Expand baseball. The expansion pays for those salaries down the line. That might make too much sense, though. It's an olive branch by the owners. Might ease a little tensions going into 2021. You get back on the field. You play. Everywhere I go, people aren't asking me anymore about a season because they are sick of hearing about the money. They're done with it. They don't want to hear about the money. None of it. I mean, they're done with it. Tim Kirchin of ESPN. It's a real mess. There is so much anger and distrust between the two sides. So they couldn't reach an agreement. And now Major League Baseball is going to implement a season. And maybe the union will file a grievance. And Major League Baseball might file a grievance. And this is going to end up as certainly the strangest season that anyone can ever remember. Former All-Star, current ESPN analyst, and remember, this is a guy that made $180 million on one deal, Mark Teixeira. It wasn't about, you know, what's best for baseball, what's best for, for both sides. It was about winning the argument, and because that's the place that the owners and the players are at right now, the, the, the fans are the ones that are ending up hurting here because we're going to either have no season or a very short season. A guy that made over $200 million talking about who else? The fans. Not the players, not the owners, the fans. Bingo. Also, I think that the fans are disenchanted to the point that they're figuring out other things to do during this. And that means with every other sport, too. Out of sight, out of mind. You've heard that? Well, you better be careful because that could happen. People don't want to hear about the money anymore from the players or the owners. Sports goes dark for 18 months because of money. This current climate, good luck. NBA informed teams in a memo on Saturday that coronavirus testing for players and staff taking part in the league's restart will begin on June 23rd, so not that far away. Memo obtained by ESPN says players... And essential team staff, any coaches, trainers, medical personnel who are working with players directly or will be part of the travel party to Orlando will be administered both COVID-19 test and an antibody test on June 23rd. Now, this is going to give you a little idea of how these sports are going to work. This is just the NBA. Each person will then be administered another COVID test every other day as well as the two days directly before the team leaves for Walt Disney World. All teams are currently scheduled to arrive at Walt Disney World between July 7th and July 9th. Brian Windhorst of ESPN. You know, the union worked very hard to get this agreement, and it's a good agreement. You know, I don't know if everybody understands this because they haven't been paying attention. Certainly, it seems like a lot of NBA players haven't been paying attention, and 
That's fine. We've got a lot going on in the world. But the NBA owners had the right to say no more game checks. Um, because of the pandemic, we're going to cancel the CBA. Um, no more game checks. The CBA, the CBA isn't in effect anymore. All your contracts are null and void. Or they could have said, hey, we're going to play games. We're only going to have 16 teams in Orlando just the playoffs. Um, so the union worked very hard over weeks to build uh, a structure where they were able to get 22 teams in and 88 regular season games, which is going to save $350 million in salary. That's, you know, there's about 450, million, 450 players in the league. So some of these guys will retain millions of dollars, some of them hundreds of thousands, by playing these games. And also the union fought for certain standards within the bubble, fought for making sure that families could come. This this agreement is the result of the union doing its job, and I think when the players come to that understanding, um, when you know for some of them this is all new, they will understand that a good deal was made. And while it may be uncomfortable, this is the best scenario. Again, it's not as easy as rolling the ball out and playing. This is going to be tough, but I'll tell you what: when you look at baseball compared to the NBA. There's one player that's going to make a difference, LeBron James. And LeBron James is saying, guys, we're playing. If we can do this, we're playing. And he's going to direct other players to play. And that's going to be a big difference as opposed to what we're seeing with baseball. Air Comfort Service text line, Rhino Shield, mic drop, 65780 from the 618. McGuire Sosa, Hall of Fame. Danny Mack, love your show, love your take. Hall of Fame for both of them. I think you do. I think you put it on the plaque, though. For Pete Rose, McGuire, Palmero, put it on the plaque. You walk into Cooperstown, it's a walk down history. You sit there and you say, he took steroids, admitted to it, 586 home runs. Fine, move on. But you're learning about the sport. You're learning about an era in the sport. It was the steroid era. It was there. 314. Danny Mack absolutely loved the 10 a.m. hour. It was a nice walk down memory lane. McGuire was, is the only quote-unquote hero I had as a kid growing up. That summer will always have a special place in my heart. I think a lot of people in St. Louis feel that way. And undoubtedly, a lot of people along the lines of bringing baseball back feel that way. I think the first thing that did it was Cal Ripken. When Cal Ripken did what he did with Lou Gehrig and breaking the Ironman streak, that was huge. Huge. Because Cal Ripken was great for baseball. Great for baseball. And then you had Sosa McGuire. Then you had a Yankees dynasty, and that is big. And that, I think sometimes that gets overlooked. First of all, it's a Yankees team, one of the great franchises in sports. You had Derek Jeter leading the way, and you're in a huge media market. And then you had Boston get good again. And when you had Boston and New York going head-to-head, early 2000s, mid-2000s, it was great drama. It was great theater. It was fun. It was fun. A lot of text messages come on here. 260, 100% put it in there on their plaque. They played the game between the White Lines Hall of Fame. 314, love it, Danny Mack. Remember, 98 was an expansion season. Pitching was weaker. 61, also expansion year. Maris hit 61. Yeah, true. 
I'm going to get to a bunch of these later in the show. By the way, I'm with BK, so I can get to a bunch of these later in uh, Ribs and BK coming up at 11. So I'll take a quick time out. When I come back, I'll visit with Eduardo Perez. A lot of different topics with Eduardo, one of the top baseball analysts in the game, and we'll do that after this brief timeout on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. One of the best broadcasters in the game today, former Cardinal Eduardo Perez. And I say the game today because he's still doing games when the KBO is being played on ESPN, host a morning show on MLB Network Radio, and really one of the good people in this industry. Eduardo, it's always good to hear your voice. How are things going? Uh, I'm pumped up, pumped up to be with you because one guy that I always look up to and a good friend of mine that when I go to St. Louis, I make sure I stop by your booth is you. So. It's an honor to be here with you. Well, it's an honor to visit with you. And and you were one of my favorite players when you played in St. Louis because uh, you were open, you were honest, and you came to the ballpark with a smile. And I, I wanted to bring that up because your your footsteps, man, were tough because you had to follow your dad who's in the Hall of Fame. I know you loved him and still do and love being the son of a Hall of Famer, but how tough was that to follow your father? I'll tell you what, I think it was a lot easier at the beginning because when I was a Cardinal, because he was yet in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so Good I think point. that helped out a lot. Yeah. And, then, uh, and, and actually, in a, in a series that we were in in Houston, um, Tony had come up to me like a week before, and he said, I don't want you here. I don't want you in Houston next Sunday. You'll be with us Saturday. We have a day game. After that, work your way to Cooperstown. You need to be there with your dad. And he beat me to the punch. Um, he had feel for it. I loved him for it. And, um, and, and again, it's... Uh, it was, it was a wonderful occasion, but Danny Mac, I must say, I'm not only the son of Tony Perez, I'm also the son of Patuka Perez, and my mother never hit a fastball, let alone <laughs> a slider or a curveball. Yeah. So I, I, I felt that I had the best of two worlds. I had, I had the world of experience between the lines and the world of experience outside the lines, and that's what's helped me out more than anything. How about uh, playing in St. Louis and playing for Tony? What was your experience uh, like here in the Gateway City? I've always said it. It's, um, it was the best place I ever played in. And I'm not saying it because I'm here interviewing with you um, and, and Cardinal and, you know, and, and Cardinals are listening to this. I say it because it's, it's when I signed, even before I signed, when they were interested in, in, in acquiring me, uh, my dad told me, he goes, if you have an opportunity to sign with the Cardinals and you have to take a lot less, do it. Because the fans there are unbelievable. They're knowledgeable about the game. I loved playing in St. Louis when we came in to visit. As a Reds, uh, as a Reds player, the only thing he didn't like was facing Bob Gibson. I get it. Uh, so uh, he, he has so much respect for the Cardinal fans. And as soon as I got there, um, I fell in love with I fell in love with wearing the Cardinal uniform. Eduardo Perez, uh, my guest. What was it like growing up in the the Big Red Machine clubhouse? What was that like for you? It was the only thing I ever knew. Uh, so for us, it was it was normal. It was normal that when the team was home. We would make sure that we would tell our moms we have to get to the ballpark early. My mom is a, 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 a Latina woman that would want to get there. Literally, the game started at seven oh five. She wanted to be there maybe at seven ten, and we were like, "No, mom, that can't happen." So sometimes my brother and I would tell her, um, "Mom, don't forget the game today starts at six thirty, so just to get us there a little bit earlier." 
and she knew what we were up to, <laughs> and she played along, and, and, and we loved her for it. But uh, we would get there early in order to be able not only to, to see the great, but also to get all over Bernie Stowe, who was the clubhouse um, attendant, and he loved us so much. He made sure he had gum for us, and if he didn't, um, all, all of us kids, it was Pete Rose Jr., Ken Griffey Jr., his brother Craig, my brother Victor, I can go on and on with more kids. Um, we were there uh, ready to be in that clubhouse, and we knew that 30 minutes, about 45 minutes before a game, we had to be out, out of the clubhouse, and we had to be sitting in, sitting in the stands watching the game. Wow. That's awesome. Um, Sparky, though, was he, was he good to you guys? Sparky was awesome. I think one of the biggest reasons everybody talks about, well, you know, you're the son of Tony Perez, and he was the son of Ken Griffey and, and Pete Rose, and, and on and on and on from Bourbon to, uh, to Geronimo's son was also there. Uh, we're also there. It was that Sparky would pull us in together in spring training at Al Lopez Field in Tampa, and he would he'd gather us, and he'd let us know what the rules were. I mean, we were five, six, seven, eight years old. And he's letting us know what the rules are, what we have to do. And when we're watching the game and we saw that a call was not made in favor of the Reds, we had to yell at the umpires. <laughs> we, had to, we had to yell at them, you need glasses, hey! And not only, and it's not like, hey, Blue, you need glasses. We would actually yell their names out. That's hey, awesome. Frank, meaning Frank Pulley. Right. You need glasses. And, and it came back to haunt me, by the way, when I got to the big leagues, because Frank Pulley was behind the plate one day and he goes, Don't forget, I remember hearing you as a kid when no. you were yelling at me. So the zone's a little bit bigger for you today. <laughs> but it was it was great. It really was. Eduardo Perez, uh, my guest, I, I mentioned you are one of the top analysts in baseball, and I, I sincerely mean that because you do come to the ballpark with a passion for the game and smiling. You're bilingual, so your access to the players is always going to be very, very good. Um, and now you're doing a sport. I don't know if you know Korean uh, language, but now you're talking about dealing with uh, the KBO. What what has that been like, doing the KBO games uh, and doing it from your home or from a studio and not being on site for doing those games? Educational every which way you can mention it. Um, I, I got I to take you back to the first part of the question when you for the first part what you were saying about uh, being bilingual. Uh, yes, you're right. Spanish is my first language. Um, I take pride in also being able to speak English well. But I think the most important thing for for me is to be multicultural. Sure. To understand um, that even if you speak Spanish. I still want to know where you're from, what the, what the customs are, uh, where you came from. And that's why I spent a lot of time if it's in Colombia. I know the Venezuelans really well, the Dominicans, Cubans, Puerto Ricans, on and on. You can go from Panamanians on. But at the same time, it's also knowing different cultures within the United States. And um, that's the part that I take a lot of pride in. Um, I played in Japan also, so I learned that part of the culture. Um, I managed the World Cup in Europe. So I made sure that I learned also the that are from the Netherlands, Italy, Spain, you name it. But now I'm getting into a different culture, which is the, the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization. And I've learned so much uh, of, of the way business is done off the field, the way business has been done on the field, about players' work ethic, who the players are, um, who they look up to, and how they play their game. And... 
you know, observing the, the, the 10 teams in the league from the NC Dinos to the Hanwha Eagles, um, I've learned so much about how they go about their business. Um, and, and I really enjoy it. The only part is we're actually breaking new ground by broadcasting these games from our homes. And um, it's a challenge, but it's a challenge that's made a, it's been made a lot easier because of the partners that I have. If it's Carl Ravitch or John Shambi, even Jason Benetti has now joined the group. And it, it's I take pride in being able to wake up at 3.30 in the morning and be on air at 5.30 in the morning Eastern uh, to broadcast not only to the United States and Canada, but all over the world. I mean, I ended up getting a pin board here that I am marking every time people tweet at me where they're from. I want to know where they're from. And I've gotten um, messages from Kenya in Africa, all the way from in the middle of the Atlantic, somebody watching the game on a boat from Hawaii, Alaska, Spain, Scotland, Japan, South Korea, even there, the Philippines. Uh, Thailand, and it is it is phenomenal that the reach that baseball has, and um, I get to be a part of it. And for that, I am grateful. Absolutely, you're doing such a good job with it too, and I, I mean that sincerely because I can't imagine how difficult it is. Uh, you know, having done this for a long time, not only just getting prepared to do a major league baseball game and doing it on site, but now you're talking about. Completely different names, different teams, different cultures you mentioned. And, oh, by the way, you're doing it from your home. What, what's been the biggest um, hurdle you've had to get over trying to do a baseball game from your house? I feel that you can understand when I say this, and I'll try to explain it to the fan, is when we're watching a game, at least 80% of the time anyway, when I'm broadcasting a game, I'm looking at the monitor, even though I'm at the ballpark. But that 20% that I'm looking on the field, is more than 50%, it's, it's, it's more important than the monitor itself um, because of the relationships that you create with the players before the game, the conversations you have with them that you can express and, and, and get to know uh, a little bit more about that player so you can express it to the fans. Um, the high home area where I want to know where the defense is aligned, if they're playing deep, if they're covering the line, if they're not. Something as an analyst that I think is vital to be able to tell the, the fan even before it happens. It's easy to break down anything in a replay after it happens. But I've always taken pride of trying to teach the game ahead. And um, I grew up not only listening to Marty Brenneman and Joe Nuxall in WLW radio in Cincinnati, but I also grew up when the Superstations came along. If it's WTBS, if it's, the, if it's WOR, if it's WGN. And I remember when Steve Stone would always say, for you youngsters out there, and my ears would pop up like a little puppy. And, and I'm like, okay, what am I learning now? So I wanted to learn watching the game and, and, and seeing something that would happen before it happened. And when I got the opportunity to be able to broadcast um, outside a studio in the game, I wanted to bring that to the, to the, not only to the young generation, but also to the fans that are learning the game so they understand it because – I always, taught, I always saw myself explaining it to my wife, who to this day is little by little, she's still learning the game, and we've been married for 20 years. Right, right. Um, Eduardo Perez, my guest. A another question, and, and I'll probably wrap it up with this, but in, in terms of no fans in the stands, what have you seen with that and how players feed off a crowd, but yet there's no crowd? W what's that been like as you watch a, a two-and-a-half, three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour game? 
Yeah, I would say it's more like a three and a half hour game, Danny Mac. In case you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half hour comes far in between. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Trust me, I know. <laughs> I get it. Uh, you know what? You know what? It, it, it's kind of fun because when we're doing these KBO games and everyone that I've spoken to before the season even started and during is like, man, wait till you see this one when, when the fans are allowed to come back because it's festive. Um, we're, we're fortunate that each team in the KBO has gotten very creative. Um, sometimes we see behind the plate, we see the NC Dinos team, for example. They've sort of taken an adoptive presence and they're, they're aware of it that they're like, oh, everybody in the United States sees us as the North Carolina team because the NC Dinos. So they had all the, the mascots from the Carolinas, meaning all the minor league teams that are in the Carolinas, and even the collegiate teams, they had their mascots up uh, sitting, behind, sitting behind home plate so we could see it from the center field camera. Something creative. Uh, other, sometimes they have the fans' billboards out there. Um, I've seen organizations... In the in the in the bleachers, have behind the fence also have um, sold those seats to usual to, to fans to put their pictures on it. Um, I've seen major corporations use sections to provide more advertisement when we can see the the bigger picture of the stadium. So they've gotten creative when it comes to that. They understand the owners of those ten teams understand that they are losing money. But as one of us, uh, one of them told us, is it's not about now. We have to be able to make sure that not only are we nearsighted, but we're farsighted. And they understand that the brand is really important. And they are grateful that their brand is now reaching uh, places way outside of the peninsula of Korea. And they're, they're reaching worldwide. So they understand how important it is uh, to the Kia Tigers, to the Samsung Lions, to the SK Wyverns. By the way, a Wyvern, I don't know if you know, is a dragon. And right now they're limping at 12 and 23. Ouch. But, it's, uh, but, it's, uh, but, but the graphics that they use when the stands are packed, it's all about the fan experience. And that's one thing that the KBO has put first and foremost is the fans. And I hope we learn that here in the United States that the fans come first. Yeah, and that's where I'm going to wrap it up with you. In terms of coming back and having baseball, and we're going to have some form of it, um, can this be done? I mean, just logistically, from what the KBO is doing and some of the other leagues across the, the world that they're doing in soccer and, and some of the other things, golf returning this weekend, um, can this be done, in your opinion, with Major League Baseball? It can but we have to throw that ego outside the door. This is not a collective bargaining agreement uh, that, that's due up this year right now. That's due up next year, December 1st of 2021. This is about um, getting together, especially uh, where our country is now. A lot of people are nervous out there. They're nervous for their health. They're nervous uh, because of the racial situation. They're nervous for so many, so many legit reasons. And I feel that there's one game that has been there always to unite people, and that is baseball. And I am hoping, I am hoping as a baseball fan, and I am pleading as an ex-player, and I'm pleading as a broadcaster, uh, that and, and a person that's lived and has had food put on the table because of baseball since I was a baby. Um, and I owe, my, I owe everything I do to the game of baseball uh, because of what it provided for my father and what's provided for my family now. Uh, so I'm hoping that we can set aside um, that ego 
and and understand that it is important, as the Koreans said, for the for the purpose of the fans. And also, look, your brand is going to be better if we play the game. Let's just do it. Let's sacrifice a little bit of what we have, and let's be grateful that we have the opportunity not only to own a team, but also to wear the uniform of a team. So well put. You do such a great job. Miss seeing you here in St. Louis, but uh, I'll be tuned in. I'm watching the KBO, so I might have to text you to get a shout out. You know, I mean, I, I just you're gonna have to make me feel Wait, good definitely. if I'm watching. You know, put your, put your alarm on. Not, and not only that, that enough. <laughs> I might, I might have to bring up a picture of yours or something. Just have it here in the background. <laughs> Just have it here in the background. This is a constant reminder. I have a picture, by the way, of you and I. Um, I'm wearing your glove. I'm in a suit. You're laughing, and Fernando Vina is holding the microphone, interviewing both of us. I have to. I'll, I'll actually take a picture of the pic. I will. And Tuesday morning, it'll be right here for everyone to watch. <laughs> Five thirty in the morning. You wake up four thirty uh, St. Louis time. You wake up. Well, it'll be you'll be on. I watch it, so it'll probably I'll I'll see it. So that's great. Hey, man, it's awesome catching up with you. And stay safe, stay healthy, and keep doing what you're doing, which is just incredible work. And thanks so much. Thank you. One of the really good people in the baseball industry, and that is former Cardinal Eduardo Perez. And you can see him doing the national games uh, with the KBO. And that's just about every day on ESPN. Text line wide open, 65780. We'll get to some Rhino Shield mic drops. And you are listening to the Monday edition of Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. This is not a collective bargaining agreement uh, that's due up this year right now. That's due up next year, December 1st of 2021. This is about um, getting together, especially uh, where our country is now. A lot of people are nervous out there. They're nervous for their health. They're nervous uh, because of the racial situation. They're nervous for so many, so many legit reasons. And I feel that there's one game that has been there always to unite people, and that is baseball. And I am hoping, I am hoping as a baseball fan, and I am pleading as an ex-player, and I'm pleading as a broadcaster, uh, that and, and a person that's lived and has had food put on the table because of baseball since I was a baby. Um, and I owe my I owe everything I do to the game of baseball uh, because of what it provided for my father and what's provided for my family now. Uh, so I'm hoping that we can set aside um, that ego and, and understand that it is important, as the Koreans said, for the, for the purpose of the fans. And also, look, your brand is going to be better if we play the game. Let's just do it. Let's sacrifice a little bit of what we have, and let's be grateful that we have the opportunity not only to own a team, but also to wear the uniform of a team. That is so well put and 100% correct by my guest moments ago, Eduardo Perez. Grew up with a Hall of Fame dad, Tony Perez, one of the great hitters and players, Big Red Machine. Eduardo played in St. Louis, and I'm with him. I owe the game so much. Had a college scholarship, put me through school, make a living off this game. The men and women of our crew make a living off this game. We're at zero. It's beyond the owners and the players. I can tell you that. People need this game, need to play. 
need to get back on the field. The average fan, the average American wants to see this game. Need a diversion. People don't want to hear about the money. People want to see baseball, if it can be done in a safe environment. And if it can't be, at least give it a try. And if you give it a try and it doesn't work, well, then by God, people say they gave it a try. But if you don't do it because of the money, shame on them. From the 573, Danny Mac, Eduardo was my favorite player. And now after hearing that interview, he still is my favorite player. Yep, good guy. It's one of my favorite people in this business. Hey, coming up later tonight on ESPN, they've got the commissioner special. I'm looking forward to that. And I, I think the thing I really want to see with that, I think Mike Greenberg is going to be hosting that. The, the thing I really want to see is how are they going to deal with the virus? And do they think that the players and all the players will participate? Will you get 100% participation from every player? I'm very curious because I think there's going to be, and I know I've had some text messages about this, will every player participate if there is an agreement, the economics, financially, CBA, in all sports, if it's agreed upon, will every player participate? And I think there's some that if there's generational money that are going to say no. Rhino Shield, mic drop, let's go to Joe. Danny Mac, that was the most incredible segment ever <laughs> that blew my mind man that's so cool thank you for giving us still some baseball i love you i'm hey, i'm in florida i'm in jacksonville florida so hey there ain't no baseball down here but uh thank you very much appreciate it joe miss baseball too miss the fans man you know, where, we at at the, uh, where we're located at the ballpark, we show up. I walk through the crowd, which I love because I love seeing people. I love interacting with the fans. I think it's awesome. I try to stop, take pictures, sign autographs, say hello. It's part of my job. I think it's, I say part of my job. I love doing it anyway, interacting with people. You guys pay my salary. People always say, man, Dan, I'm sorry I'm bothering you. I say, you're not bothering me. You pay my salary. And I mean that sincerely. It's part of what I'm supposed to be doing. I am the conduit between the fan and the player and the sport. You're never bothering me. Dan, first time I ever met you, it was at a, a smaller collegiate basketball game. And the thing that stands out to me from that experience was you taking selfies with fans in the crowd, interacting with people in between breaks, it, at halftime, in between games. It was something that, that really showed me Look, if you want to make it in this business, you have to really take the fan into consideration. And I think baseball's missing the boat there right now. I watched Jack Buck do that. I grew up working next to Jack Buck as a young kid. And I watched him go into his pocket and hand $100 bills to people. I'm not saying I do that. <laughs> Come on, take, take a page out of Jack's book, Dan. Yeah, Let's I'm go. Sorry. sorry, Colin. I'm not throwing a lot of hundreds around. That was amazing, man. <laughs> One of the things, so we would be um, working with Jack Buck, and Jack would come in at KMOX, and we'd be doing sports open line at like 610, right? I know I'm supposed to be getting these text messages, and maybe I'll, I'll get him some more here with BK. But uh, so the, the cleaning crew would come in after the news and drive time, and then sports open line would start. And by God, the cleaning crew knew when Jack was going to come in, and they'd wait to clean the sports office until Jack was in. And 
how are you? And all of a sudden, these hundreds would start flying out, man. And then he'd say, we need some pizza around here, Danny Mac, you know, or Dan, we need pizza. And so then he'd give you a couple hundred bucks and he'd order two pizzas. And I remember the first time I did that, I came back with the change and he was mad. He was mad that I didn't keep the change and then didn't give part of the change to, like, I left a really nice tip, right? Because I figured I was supposed to leave a really nice tip. So I gave the guy, like, you know, 70 bucks or something and came back with 130 or whatever it was and gave it. Here you go, Mr. Buck. He's like, what are you doing with that? And I said, well, here's your change. And I don't want that. But, you know, <laughs> and he was mad. And so... um it, I just saw him do that nonstop and sign and say hello and visit with people. And I realized very quickly that your job was more than just calling balls and strikes. And he, he taught me one of the great things about when you do radio. He said, you are the eyes and the ears of those that can't be there. He said, you're, you're the eyes and ears for those in a nursing home. You're the eyes and ears for those that are blind. You're the eyes and ears for those that are in jail, incarcerated. You're the eyes and ears and those that are in a bed that, that are sick. And, and I just, I, I always, I get goosebumps thinking about it. I, you know, your job is to do more than that. And I, not to get too sappy, but I think about it with baseball. And that's the allure of baseball. Baseball is a game that's long, can be. But it's storytelling, it's family, it's it's different than the other sports, it's a long season, it's family time, it's time on a lake, it's time barbecuing, it's in your backyard. Those are the kind of things that we're missing right now. And I, I thought Eduardo really summed it up well there that it's given him his life he's grown up around the game it's given me my life i've grown up around the game and we miss it and to the owners and the players you know do the best you can to get back on the field even if it is without fans and it will be different folks it is going to be different even when they come back it's not going to be the same game that you you've been watching but it's something and it does set the stage to not go dark for 18 months we need we need the game back and it it would be Again, not ideal, but it would be something that I think we would enjoy. So anyway, I'm sure we'll get into it. Hey, we only have three more hours and probably three more weeks until maybe somebody's on the field. So plenty of time to talk about it. Uh, BK is going to come in. We'll cross it over. Ribs has the day off, and this is 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. So as we all know, I... I don't really follow a clock very well. Um, Ribs is not in today. He's got the day off. BK is in, so I'm going to fill in for Ribs. Alex is going to chime in, too, and he's kind of the co-host as well. So, BK, now you're in. What do we have coming up on the show? So, I'm very excited about doing this show with you. We have never worked together on a show, you and I, so I'm thrilled to do it. I want to get your uncensored thoughts on what the documentary was that we saw last night. So we'll get into that a little bit coming up in the open. Good. We will, of course, talk about baseball squandering its negotiations once again. Again. And we have Bob Carpenter coming up at 1130. We have Kim Bottenfield coming up at 1. And Jamie Rivers is going to hop on the show coming up at 12.15. You know, he he couldn't stay away from us for too long. He's always getting crap about being a guest on his own show. So we figured, why not do it once again? Looking forward to it. So, Rivs, BK, slash, Dan. (laughs) Danny Mac filling in. Alex on 101? Does that work? Sounds good. Let's do it. Coming up next. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.